Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing family dynamics. See, we're really close to the holidays. We're actually in the holiday season already. And while that's really amazing for some people, it's also really hard for others. And so I thought it would be great to bring Emily Jones back to be able to talk with us about family dynamics, be able to run over a few scenarios, talk about recommendations, what to do from there. Um, You may remember Emily from last week's episode. She was on. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, certainly hop back um, and check that out as well. But we are super excited to have her back so she can talk with us about family dynamics. Thanks. All right, Emily, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, you know, Obviously, you were just on last episode, but for those who maybe didn't listen to that yet, would you be able to give a brief summary of yourself? Sure. Um, I This will be pretty short. Um, and if they really want to know more, they can go listen to the other one. Huh? Absolutely. That works well. <laughs> so I am a wife of a 24-year Army veteran. I am a mom to a teenage boy and an almost double digits boy. Mm-hmm. Um, love my fur babies. I have more... Uh, dogs and children. Um, I have been a therapist for a few years now. Love my adolescents. They're my favorites. So the really angsty 13 year olds, but I see all the way down to age three and, and we currently have a client that's even 67. So I see a wide range of ages, a wide range of concerns. I see a lot of kids in the foster care system with trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I love those. They're definitely a passion project for me. Uh, as well. So that's, that's kind of me in a very short nutshell. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we're definitely excited to have you on today to talk about family dynamics, which is yeah. kind of a tough subject around the holidays. And like both of yeah. us were saying earlier, it just, it's kind of heavy. It's a heavy subject. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I thought before we get started, maybe we would just go into a few things of maybe describing family dynamics. Um, and so yeah. one thing, you know, I mean, obviously people can just get on Google if they want to look up, you know, exact definition, but um, I really yep. enjoyed, you know, one thing I saw from like psychology today, which I really appreciate a lot of their stuff was saying how it's just basically interactions between family members. That's really the core of family dynamics. But what mm-hmm. I really loved that they also said was each family or each member must coexist with every other family member. Um, and so I like that perspective, but I also want to mention that you don't actually have to coexist if it's super unhealthy for you. So I think that's right. worth noting before I, we have I'm so glad that, Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that there's this common misconception that just because you're blood related, that means that you have to maintain uh, communication with someone in your family. Um, and that's definitely not true. Um, it would be ideal um, if everyone was healthy enough to uh, maintain boundaries and be self-reflective, but that's definitely not always the case. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree that a lot of times that perception is just that because we are related, then we must get along. Um, And so I think what's really, really dangerous about that is that forces us to put ourselves in extremely unhealthy situations. And at times that's damaging to our mental health. 
And that's when it becomes a problem. So I'm glad we're definitely on the same page about that. You know, and that is one of the things that I want to make sure that we mention is that when we think of family dynamics, it's not just other people separate from you. It's really about how it affects you as a person as well. Yeah. I actually heard a really great metaphor one time in grad school. I had a um, teacher talk about family systems theory, which is a theory that we um, base a lot of therapy in, especially when we work with kids. But um, to talk about to talk about family systems theories, if we look at one of those old gear games, right? Mm -hmm. So you have that board and it's got all the different gears and you can move things around and there's a little crank, you know, Um, but we all operate independently, but then, affect change on other members of our family mm-hmm. right so one year might be turning a certain way but that that change is going to affect how another person moves within the family and they're all interconnected yeah. and i think that's really important to remember oh i love that perspective and that visual thank you so much for explaining it like mm-hmm. that i think that's it's really helpful for me and i think that'll be really helpful for a lot of other people as well when we look at that sure you know one thing too that i think is really important to note is that not all family dynamics are bad. I think it gets a negative view when we say dynamics, but I think it's important to really mention that, you know, some family dynamics are really positive. So I'm wondering if you can speak on that portion of things. Sure. I think, I think you're so right. I think that there are sometimes we say family dynamics and we automatically have this idea that um, it's negative. You you bring up such a good point in that. Um, But we develop ways of communicating um, based on our personalities and our experiences. And that doesn't have to be negative. It could just be how your family functions. And I think that that really speaks to your level of awareness, your ability to point those things out and identify that. You know, I've had a lot of people say, well, she just keeps continuing, you know, to do this certain thing. And I say, what do you expect them to do? Oh, yes. And they say, well, I don't, I mean, not, not that. Okay. Well, we can't have a different expectation if you can't identify what you would expect them to do differently. Right. And then being able to say, how, does that impact your level of functioning in the way that you function? Mm-hmm. Well, right. no, it's just irritating. Well, okay. Then, then it doesn't have to be bad. Right. right. Let's manage your expectation of what that other person can do. And actually the way that that person's functioning allows you to function in this way right. and allows you to have control or peace or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, that we think about family dynamics and we think that there must be sort of miscommunication or um, arguing or whatever, and being really realistic about our expectations and saying that's families, mm-hmm. right? That's what families do. That's how families form. That's how families maintain. Um, and some of those things can be a little irritating. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of those things can be really, really beautiful. Um, the way that an older sibling takes a younger sibling under their wing. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might look at that as if it's parentification. And sometimes that's very true. But sometimes it's just a beautiful relationship between an older sibling and a younger sibling. Right. Well, I love that you, you know, really went down that route as far as like speaking of what are your expectations? What are you wanting instead? Because I think you're so right. If we can't identify it, then we don't know how we're wanting to interact and to be also to be able to look at situations differently. Because like you say, everyone has a different perspective of it. And I often, and I don't know, um, I'm sure you have some, your own form of how you say this to people, but I often tell people like we have, we all have a lens that we look through life based on our life experiences, based on, 
you know, just so many different varieties of where we have been in our life, people we have been around mm-hmm. and people, and people you interact with can shift those as well. Um, yes. And, and so I think that somebody based on their own situation may view an older sibling as trying to parent a younger sibling mm-hmm. um, because maybe that was their experience or yeah. maybe they saw yeah. that, you know, or for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that's just really frustrating to them. And someone else mm-hmm. may see that as just a really great, healthy relationship. So it's important right. to note, too. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And so I think one thing, too, that we don't think a lot when we see family dynamics and we're thinking about it in a really negative way. One thing that we often don't mention is that although maybe there are some strained family relationships with one person in your family, that doesn't necessarily mean that your whole family is dysfunction, you know, having dysfunctional interactions. Yes. Yes. And the other part of that, too, is that you may have certain areas with one person that is unhealthy, but that doesn't mean that the whole relationship's unhealthy either, which is mm-hmm. a little bit more um, intense <laughs> to kind of work out right. those parts of it. But I'm kind of yeah. curious of your perspective on that as well. Yeah, I, you're so right. And I think that we kind of have this um, lens, um, as you said, and, and that is something that I use uh, quite a lot myself, um, of if one thing's bad, then it must all be bad. And what I would point out is that is a cognitive distortion. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you and I would talk with a client about. uh, That's very black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's think outside of this. Yes, this communication pattern might not be healthy, but look what this person does for you and what you do for them. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, there are good parts about this relationship too. Um, I, I have a friend that uh, we talk about all the time. This person did something and that just flipped the light switch for me. Uh-huh. Um, and we kind of automatically jump to, well, you weren't perfect. Therefore, you mean nothing to me anymore. Mm. Um, and I think that we see that a lot in our society right now. Um, I would love to develop that more in myself. It's not an easy thing by any means. I'm very guilty of that kind of thinking myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but with families, there's so much more emotion there. There's so much more history there. Um, and I'll, I'll say personally, you know, I, I have siblings myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I came from somewhere, you know? Um, and <laughs> Sorry, that really cracked me up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have siblings my, myself, and I love my siblings mm-hmm. very, very much. Um, and we have grown up, and we have grown apart, and we've grown, grown back together, and we deal with our stuff. Um, as it comes up and, you know, sometimes our communication patterns are, aren't the healthiest, but coming to this place of maturity of this is my sister. Yeah. This is the person that I share DNA with, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we are so similar in so many fundamental levels, but we are so different on so many fundamental levels as well. Right. Instead of me saying, because you're not like me, Mm -hmm. I don't want to interact with you. Right. I want to say, I want to embrace you for this because you're my only sister and I don't want to let that go. And so appreciating those differences and appreciating the similarities as well, because I think sometimes the similarities get us really irritated. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Appreciating the similarities and not saying, well, Jesus, she just drove me up the roof. So I never want to spend time with them again. Right. Right. 
that is one of my favorite things to like help family members, you know, kind of pick out, especially like a parent child relationship. You know, when the parent is really frustrated, I can't believe that they're doing blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> you know, we'll really talk through, well, what is it about that? And it's just so interesting when they see that, oh my goodness, that is exactly what I do. And that's probably why it drives me so crazy. I always yeah. want the last word. They want the last word. I'm stubborn. They're stubborn, you know? <laughs> so yep. it's just really interesting. So I'm glad that you noted that a lot of times it has to do um, with similarities as well. Yes. So that is great. So we had um, a few submissions of different, you know, family dynamics that we're going to run through. Um, But before we do that, is there anything else that you think, you know, we should make sure that we mention for people when we're talking about family dynamics? Yeah, I think that what I, you know, especially since this is a season of, of togetherness and love and, and all of that cheesy, corny, um, (laughs) Hallmark card stuff. Um, grace. Yes. Um, you know, we have a hard time with people who don't meet our expectations. Expectations is going to be the word of the day, by the way. Um, (laughs) grace and expectations. Um, I think that we don't give family members enough grace. Mm -hmm. I think we're much more willing to give others grace before we will give family members grace. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, as we move through some of these dynamics that you're going to bring up, and there's going to be some other things that I bring up as well, keeping grace um, in there and, and realizing that your family members are your family members and they're not perfect and they're human. Yeah. Um, just like anyone else we interact with. But sometimes you throw in that family dynamic and, it seems to um, inhibit grace at times. Yeah. So I, I just want to really throw that out there as we start to move through some of these situations you're going to bring forward. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad that you did. That also reminded me of one more thing that I think that is really important for us to mention as well. You know, we briefly touched on it earlier, um, but if you have been in a relationship with a family member and they have been extremely abusive towards you, whatever that abuse um, definition is by you, some Mm -hmm. of this, these recommendations, some of these thoughts that we share may not apply to you. And I really want to share that because I think a lot of times when people have had abuse in their past and just have such strained relationships, you know, we want to have had a different relationship with the person. And so when we listen to things like this and we're trying to sort it out, I think it can be a lot of guilt. It can bring a lot of guilt in our lives. But I think Mm -hmm. it's important to remind ourselves that if you need to put up a good firm boundary and you need to just cut that person out of your life because of the things that they you know have done to you and the ways they've hurt you, that's okay too. And please do not beat yourself up about that. That's healthy to be able to do that. Yeah. I, to piggyback off of that, I, you know, I think that we could have a whole discussion on toxic relationships, right? Yes. yes. Um, and I think that uh, the, the tone of this talk today is to be a little bit more lighthearted, yes. um, a little bit more supportive Absolutely. and empowering, um, which a conversation about narcissism or toxic um personalities um, would require a lot of grace and empowerment, but um, to just kind of take these things with a a lighthearted approach and recognizing that we're all in the same boat of being at the holiday times. And, um, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta laugh about it (laughs) (laughs) through a little bit, but to have those conversations about a deeper toxic abusive relationship would be a little bit different conversation. Yes, I would agree. I'm glad that you brought that up and maybe something that we can get into later, but um, yeah, I definitely just wanted to mention that because I think it's really important. So, 
Okay. Yes. Great. Okay. So I'm going to read one of these situations. So um, just bear with me here as I read through this. Sure. Okay. So this was submitted. This is their family dynamics. Just to give a little bit of background on the situation with my husband's immediate family. None of us see eye to eye on any major issues and are polar opposites when it comes to our morals and ethics. This alone makes it difficult to form any meaningful, meaningful relationship. However, prior to the recent issues, we were able to be around each other while being mostly respectful and for myself having minimal anxiety regarding visits with them. However, after we were married, things significantly deteriorated. Shortly after our wedding, I was informed that for quite some time, my in-laws had been informing other family members about, quote, issues in our relationship. I put that in parentheses because they were essentially twisting everything we told them and creating false marital issues out of these. Everything from our pet dog to moving to a new townhouse. On top of this, we were also told that my in-laws had blatantly lied to other family members about things that I have, quote, said to them. I have not once talked to my in-laws about any topics other than my job and possibly the weather. Since our marriage, there have been several microaggressions, passive-aggressive comments not speaking to me when we were hosting them in our own home during the holidays, just to give a few examples. More recently, my in-laws have made negative comments about other children in the family, example, calling them chubby, and other parenting choices. This combined with knowing that everything we tell them is being twisted with the intention of making it seem that our marriage is struggling to knowing that they are capable of creating lies and spreading to others has caused me to have extreme anxiety regarding spending any sort of time with them. That being said, I know that this is still my husband's family and we have spent a great deal of of time trying to come to some some sort of compromise when it comes to the holidays. First of all, I think it has greatly helped that my husband understands and is in agreement with how toxic the family dynamics are, especially after hearing about everything that was said regarding our marriage. We plan to address this holiday and any subsequent holidays by limiting the amount of time we spend with them. For example, we plan to choose one holiday, being either Christmas or Thanksgiving, As we live further away, we plan to stay in a hotel when visiting rather than being in someone's home and have agreed upon the time we'll be staying at the home for. We also plan to be firm on when we plan on leaving. My husband has also felt that it will be best for him to be firm in these boundaries as any comments I would make would be twisted into me becoming the problem. I'm interested to hear how others might deal with this. Well, I, I think that this particular person has done a lot of things that I would actually suggest. Yeah. Um, I, I thought great. that too. I'm like, you're uh, doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that's great. You know, one of the, the pieces that I definitely, um, I loved in there was having her husband be the purveyor of the boundaries because yes. um, I think a lot of times um, what happens is that um spouses can agree on something and then as soon as you put put them in front of their respective families it goes out the window mm-hmm. um because yep. <laughs> it's like their family dynamics play into it right and right. what you've done is you've added another gear into this gear game right and everybody yep. goes well i don't know how to turn now right that point. um oh, i love that i love that visual so much thank you so much for sharing I, that yeah <laughs> um i don't know how to turn now um so you know, I love that piece. And, and often the, the in-law 
the person who married into the situation is the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. They are the one who gets all of the negativity. They are the one who gets blamed for everything. And I think I would need a little bit more understanding of what uh, the husband's um, family dynamic was prior. But it it sounds like this particular set of in-laws has been used to kind of run in the show. And now we have a new person in in here who's got a pretty strong sense of boundaries um, and what's appropriate and what's not. um, And that can really shift things. So, I I mean, I think this particular person um, has done a lot of things that are are really healthy. One, we're going to limit it. You know, we're not going to take it away. We're going to, we're not going to stop talking to anybody. We're not going to stop coming to holidays, but for our own peace of mind, uh, we're going to stay in hotel. I mean, I, I can't, um, I can't tell you how awesome it is after spending a full day with your family to be able to just have some peace. Right. You know, yes. some people, some people love that and want to spend all of their time in that and stay up until two or three in the morning playing games or whatever. Some people just can't do that. And that's okay. Right. It doesn't mean that you don't love those people and that you don't want to spend time with them. It just means I need some me time too. And so I think that's a great idea. I think, I think the, um, the person's question is kind of funny. I'm, I'm interested on in how other people might handle this uh, poorly. I think other people would handle it poorly. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're doing pretty good. You know, it sounds like it's yeah. been quite a work in progress, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think because there's a there's a lot of room there to get petty. Uh-huh. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of people would do. Yes. Um, buttheads and things like that. Um, I I. I think the only thing that I would suggest mm-hmm. is confrontation mm-hmm. and not in a negative way and not in a, you know, you did this to me kind of way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I have some concerns and our relationship isn't quite where I would like it to be mm-hmm. and laying out what you would like the relationship to look like. Oh, right. I would, I would like for our relationship to look like this. Mm-hmm. What would you like for me? Right. Is there some, and that's really vulnerable. Yes. It's super vulnerable to open yourself up to feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be willing to give feedback if you're not willing to accept it. But, right. Right. Um, but I think that's the only thing I would add to that is just to say, you know, our relationship isn't quite what I had pictured and, and that makes me quite sad. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what we can do. Right. To work on our relationship. Yeah. You know, I really love um, that recommendation of just taking it, you know, if, if you so choose to take it one step further and just say, you know, I'm, I'm not really thrilled about how this is going. You know, I really, if, if they want to make it, we don't know what they want to do, but if they do want to make right, it better, right. you know, if you I, don't want to, that's okay. Just, right. just keep, <laughs> Absolutely. that's all right. That's Absolutely. a choice you can make. Absolutely. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. I hope that you are enjoying this episode, but I did want to come in to tell you something real quick. So for these next two weeks, it's going to be Christmas and New Year's um, if you celebrate both of those. And so we are actually going to be taking a break from the podcast for those two weeks so that the families of the podcast are able to completely celebrate those. And I hope that you're able to celebrate with your family or friends as well. Um, but I'm hopeful that this episode will be beneficial for you as you head into you know these next few weeks. Um, but please join us because the first week in January, we're going to come back and we're going to have some really fantastic guests and some recommendations and different suggestions um, that would be really beneficial as you start the new year. So this is not going to be your typical what, you know, 
example, what New Year's resolution can you come up with? Because um, I'm not a big fan of that. But I do want to talk about some really tangible ways that you can get your New Year started off right. Um, and so we will discuss that. If you have any questions or any thoughts in the meantime, you know you can always go to www.kellysisson.com. Um, you can hit the contact tab, send me a message, and I will definitely respond back to that. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great holiday. Well, and it sounds like, like, you know, like we both said, it sounds like they have some really good boundaries set up. So if they don't, if they choose not to go that extra step, that's absolutely okay. But if they do choose to, I think that could really gain some clarity because that would give somebody the opportunity to say, this is what, like for the mother-in-law, this is what I was expecting um, in a daughter-in-law. And then Mm -hmm. having some real discussion about, well, that doesn't quite fit who I am as a person. And here's what I can offer to our relationship. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So having some open, you know, communication about that. So I love that you recommended that. Um, but I do see a lot of different areas, like you said, where people could become very petty. So props to them for being able to work through that for sure. Right. So, right. Um, okay. And so then we just have a few um, situations that are just kind of more so in general. So not, you know, as much specific information. And one thing that we talked about um, already is just, you know, that, the, the abuse um, aspect of things. So yeah. a lot of people have said, you know, uh, there was a family member who abused me in whatever way and other people in the family don't know. And I'm forced to be around, I'm forced to be around this person or they feel like they're forced to be around this person yeah. and just kind of put on a happy face. And the holidays, you know, are challenging for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, you know, grief and loss and, you know, change of life and families mm-hmm. are always evolving. And so there's so many things, but knowing that that's an extra element that you are holding onto a secret that other people may not know and knowing that you have to go into a situation that is really uncomfortable. Um, so I'm wondering what your recommendations would be for being able to put up some, you know, clear boundaries, um, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you're not able to discuss the situation with the family as a whole. Yeah. Um, that's a tough one mm-hmm. because I think that that's where you can start to get into conversations about radical acceptance mm-hmm. Um, which would be a really hard thing to do in an abusive type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but self-care, mm-hmm. number one, oh, you, you need to be able to pump yourself up mm-hmm. prior to and yeah. put yourself in a really good place. Because a lot of times what happens is we start to have anxiety mm-hmm. about this interaction. And so we start to tell ourselves this is going to be awful. Yeah. And because we've told ourselves it's going to be awful, our anxiety heightens and it is awful. Right. Uh, when in reality, what actually happened between the two of you during that interaction, um, maybe it wasn't so bad. It's just that your anxiety was so bad yeah, yeah. during it that, that it becomes completely heightened. Heightened, yep. heightened is not a word. <laughs> That's all right. Um, We're just adding words here. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. So number one, I would start with self-care. Yep. If you, if you have a family member that you know you've got to put up some really strong boundaries with. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I would look for a support person. Mm-hmm. Is there someone maybe in the family? Um, I, I think ideally I would say in the family mm-hmm. um, or maybe not in the family that you can go to that knows the situation and knows the dynamic that can give you good, thoughtful feedback. Yep. And the reason that I say good, thoughtful feedback is because Sometimes when we go to people, (laughs) it becomes a validate me in this instance and not a can you give me some feedback. Um, And those are very different things. If you don't have that, I think that that's when you look at, okay, if this situation is bad enough that I'm considering not even attending, Mm -hmm. 
I need to find somebody who can support me in this. If I'm not willing to give up going to this function, but my anxiety is that bad, then I would say find a support person. If that's a life coach, if that's a counselor, if that's a pastor, whomever that can support you in that, because you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Being able to have that support around. I absolutely agree. And for, you know, I think a lot of times in situations like this, we like really amp ourselves up for like the holidays and then there's kind Mm -hmm. of like a fallout afterwards. And that's why a lot of times people (laughs) will um, report like increased um, depression and anxiety after the holidays, especially. And, you know, that kind of like that January, February time is really hard for a lot of people. And so I think being able to have somebody like that, that you can keep in contact with even after that is great. The other portion is, you know, some families are totally fine with like, like an extra friend coming along or, you know, so-and-so's family or, you know, doesn't live here or maybe that their family was busy. And so if you have somebody you can mm-hmm. actually take with you, I would recommend yes. that as well. That, that knows you well enough to know, hey, let's go outside or, you know, at least mm-hmm. can give you a look of support when you need it, you know, or, mm-hmm. or even yeah. kind of be a buffer, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Or that extra validation of, yeah, that was really hard. Okay. Let's, let's do something. Let's, like you said, go outside. Let's go get a drink of brandy. <laughs> you yes. know, whatever, whatever you need to do in that moment. And somebody who knows you well enough to know that that's what you need. Right. Right. Because you might not be able to verbalize what you need in that moment. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, so, so that's one piece. The other piece is being very aware, mm-hmm. right? Not aware to the point that you're making your anxiety worse. But again, we're going to go back to that word of expectations. Mm-hmm. What are your expectations for this person? Yep. And if they meet those expectations, you're prepared for it. Yep. So let's say we know that Aunt Susie, mm-hmm. right, is going to get pretty drunk at this family gathering. And she's going to talk, start talking about the time that you, I don't know, mooned everybody when you were four. <laughs> right? right. So, <laughs> and, and this is really irritating for you, right? Right. If you know that she's going to do that, yeah. right, then you expect that from her. Yes. Is it really about the fact that she's doing this mm-hmm. or is it about the fact that you maybe haven't processed something to do with this situation? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and so being very mindful and aware of what is it that's really bugging me about this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could be the, the fact that you don't mind that she's talking about you mooning everybody when you were four, mm-hmm. but maybe there's something triggering about her being intoxicated mm-hmm. and being really clear with yourself about what the actual trigger is um, and getting some support in that. Yeah. Um, making sure that you have done a really good job prior to of taking care of your own mental health Um Go get a massage before and after sometimes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, and and then having support after the interaction. Mm-hmm. So managing expectations, grace for that person, and support, support, support. Yeah. You know, I even think back to, you know, my, this isn't, you know, too intense of a story, but in my own life, uh, when I was younger, and if any family is listening, they're going to be like, yep. Um, I was always <laughs> called the sensitive one. And which just like drove me nuts. So whenever, even later on in life, I would say something and someone would say, oh, you're just so sensitive, sensitive. It would be like a switch for me and I would get mad. And I think even knowing things like that is really helpful because they weren't trying to be rude or harsh when they were saying that I was sensitive. Um, But in my mind, I was like, you're being a jerk and I need to Mm -hmm. really (laughs) respond (laughs) negatively back. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough now. I have that self-awareness that I can even just 
just, I mean, my family's really great about it now, but if anyone mm-hmm. ever did say it again, I would just say, you know, maybe that's how you're feeling, but right now I'm not being sensitive. I'm just sharing an emotion or I'm just sharing, you know, that I'm concerned about someone or whatever the situation yeah. might be. But I think it's good to remember those things that were really hard for you. And like you say, try to like dive into why is that hard? Is it really the issue at hand or is it the feeling that you got from it? Or, you know, it could be a variety of things. Yep. I think that's yep. Okay, so this one is um, just kind of a, <laughs> it's it's a serious one, but um, I think this happens a lot in families. So I'm really interested to hear your feedback about it. Um, so a lot of people say, you know, that they maybe have like a sibling that is really competitive with them. And so it yeah. feels like, I almost said Susie again. We're picking on Susie today, apparently. <laughs> so a little Susie, you know. Um, but it's always kind of like one-upping. Or if there is something really cool that you're doing, they're trying to take that spotlight away from you. It just feels really invalidating for people. And so I'm really curious on how you feel they would navigate that. Yeah. Um, so before I talk about navigating that, what I would what I would like to point out um, is that that is a pretty typical family role, mm-hmm. that, that competitiveness. Um, and I would tell you that in my experience, I have seen that competitiveness with younger siblings versus older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even plays out with my own children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. But what that, what that family role is called is called the power broker. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that person works at maintaining their position at the family mm-hmm. by being the best. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about navigating that situation, what we really have to do is pull in some empathy. Mm -hmm. Why do they feel the need to try and do that? Right. Well, typically what we know is people who are really, really insecure (laughs) are the ones that try to typically, Mm -hmm. not in all situations, help boost themselves, their feeling of control, their feeling of power by constantly competing. Mm -hmm. I know that I can beat you at this. And because I know I can beat you at this, this makes me feel really, really good about myself because there might be something underneath that doesn't feel so good. Mm -hmm. So when someone's trying to navigate that kind of dynamic, grace is the word. Mm -hmm. What's going on underneath this? Where's the insecurity in this? And um, then managing grace for themselves. Mm -hmm. Can I let this go? Because you will never win. You will never win in that power struggle because it will be constant. And what they want is to compete. They want to compete because that's what gives them that sense of satisfaction. Right. Now that might be coming from a very real place, but we don't have to enable that. Right. You can take the the high road Mm -hmm. and lose. Right. Because it will no longer feed it. Right. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And I love that. Can can you think of maybe a few ways that somebody might be able to, even just like a few quick statements, like uh, I will often brainstorm with my clients, you know, if you have mm-hmm. a statement in your mind that you can say to somebody, if this situation were to occur, then you feel more prepared mm-hmm. and you're less likely to focus on it. So what might somebody be able to say if little Susie says, Oh, I, you know, I just got a new job promotion and I'm making $150,000. You know, I'd probably say, mm-hmm. well, can I come work with you? But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like what could be something that they could say in that moment? Yeah. So I think one of the important things to remember is this, this that this is about them mm-hmm. and not about you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So what that person's looking for you to do is to go, Oh, well, yeah, 
I I could make that much, but I tell you know, don't justify it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't need to justify anything to anyone. Yep. Simply looking at them and going, that must feel so good. Yeah, I like that. That must feel so good. And you can use that in a variety of ways, right? So if you're thinking about adults, typically it's going to come in that, like you said, with money. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did this and I bought this and I did this. That must feel so good. Mm-hmm. Showing excitement yep. um, and and boosting that for them because they won't expect that. Yep. What they're expecting is for you to get into shame, uh-huh. for you to go into shame roll and shut down. And, and justify what they view as less than. Mm-hmm. Instead, you take the high road and go, that must, I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. Good job. Yeah, yeah. I know you worked really hard for that. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, what's really interesting, too, is when you flip how you interact with people, like their pushback, I often warn people. Sometimes their pushback is um, really interesting. Sometimes people are caught off guard. Other times they mm-hmm. amplify and yeah, so I think that's yeah. important to remember that if you're um, willing to, I think it's great to be able to change your reaction to that, but to know that it might be amplified until they yep. realize that you're really going to interact in this, you know, very concrete way multiple times. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, and that amplification can be really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because you've already taken a different route to communicating in the first place and then their reaction is going to be different and that's unknown. Mm-hmm. And the unknown is what's really scary. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right. They can amplify. And that's where you you choose. You have to choose to let it go. Right. And, and remember that it's their stuff, not yours. Don't take it on. Yeah. And give yourself a quick affirmation. Yes. That's, that's great. That's a great recommendation. I often remind people to, you know, I even say this to myself sometimes, like it's a reflection of them, not of me. It's a reflection of them, not of me. I mean, I think it's important for us to be able to own our own stuff and to acknowledge Mm -hmm. when we're playing a part in things, but they're the good majority of time. Your interactions with other people really are about them. Um, you know, and so if you can just remind yourself of that as well, it's like, this is a reflection of them. This does not reflect on me. Um, that can Mm -hmm. help you to separate yourself from it too. Cause I think, don't you think that's yeah. part of it? We get so like meshed in it and it just feels like we can't separate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> absolutely. That, that enmeshment mm-hmm. is, you know, it's the very fabric of your family dynamic. Mm-hmm. You, you have li- literally been woven together mm-hmm. to where you can't separate yourself to look at it from an outside perspective mm-hmm. of how am I contributing to this? Um, how am I making this better? Um, that's really, really hard to see mm-hmm. because you're so entrenched in it. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I think too, if we think about, especially like marriage or even just really serious, significant others that we may have, um, I think that it's like blending two different families to kind of like you were talking about, like the wheels, you know, you're adding on more. And I think it's mm-hmm. almost sometimes like adding that whole other person's family onto yours as yeah. well. Um, and because there are so many, like you say, so many dynamics there that they bring to the table as well. And sometimes I think it's just a matter of like figuring out, you know, 
what, like you said earlier, I'm going to go back to expectations, like what the expectations are. Um, my mother-in-law, I don't know if she'll listen to this or not, but I, this is kind of just a funny holiday story. But when I first started dating my husband, I didn't realize there are like certain meals that you have on Christmas and certain meals you have on Thanksgiving. Right. And you don't like interchange them. Like she has like her menu down and I mean, and she's a delicious, she, she's a delicious cook. (laughs) The food she cooks is delicious. But so she has this like very much, you know, planned out. So it was always cheesecake on Christmas. Okay. Well, I forgot that because she makes this amazing homemade cheesecake family recipe. Delicious. But anyway, so I forgot that. And so one Thanksgiving, I think she had asked my husband, Mo, oh, what would Kelly like for Thanksgiving? And I said, oh my gosh, of course the cheesecake, you know, like who's going to (laughs) say they don't want that. (laughs) And so I started this new family tradition where they have it Thanksgiving and Christmas and she might still be a little upset. (laughs) No, she's not. She's not at all. We just joke about it at this point. Unfortunately, we live far away. And so we can't even reap the benefits of my breaking family traditions. But um, it's just kind of funny how like that, you know, that was just so set in stone. And even my own family, we have that, you know, our traditions mm-hmm. that we did. And so just thinking about somebody else coming in and not really knowing those and not meaning to even just can kind of muck mm-hmm. things up. Yeah, it's so funny you bring up the uh, the meals. Uh, that was a huge deal for my husband and I, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're from two completely different parts of the country uh-huh. um, at two completely different um, backgrounds for um, churches that we were raised in and traditions around holidays. And so for him, Christmas Eve is the big deal. And Christmas Eve is when you have the big dinner and everything. And oh. for me, Christmas Eve was not. Uh-huh. That's when you have homemade pizza and you watch a bunch of Christmas movies. Uh-huh. Um, it's Christmas morning. That's the big deal. And oh. he just could not wrap his head around it (laughs) and and it was really hard um it's always been very hard for my mom um to see us branch off and do our own traditions um because for her it feels very much like we're leaving it behind without a thought you know um and that's it's a completely different road we could go down but um (laughs) to be able to say you know i'm honoring my family tradition and he's honoring his family tradition um but now we have our own. Right. And what a beautiful thing that that is that we're giving our children. Right. Yes. Um, but even those just small traditional things can throw such a kink. Yes. And your family dynamics. And like you were saying, as soon as you marry something or marry something, <laughs> I know sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you marry someone. Uh-huh. You're right. You're bringing not just them. You're bringing their entire family into it because you never know how your husband's mom is going to react to the fact that you don't open up family presents on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and that throws such a kink. And then that starts to create the right. family dynamic for your own children. Right. Yeah, I can easily see how one thing would lead into the the other, for sure. So I hadn't thought about um, Christmas like that, but you're right. Um, Certainly, my husband and I were talking about different things, like, um, you know, both of our moms always put an orange, you know, in our stocking, Mm -hmm. and, you know, other little things in there, too. But we were talking about that, and where, like, that came from, and how we want to continue that. But there are some other things that, you know, we we have changed. Of course, we live further away from family, but, um, you know, we just slowly open our presents throughout the day, and it's it's just really relaxed relaxed and um you know it wasn't always always like that you know we I have a big family um 
on my mom's side and my dad's is, is fairly large as well. And so when you're running from one to the next, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, yep. it's quite a bit. And so, and even just noticing the difference in that and how, um, it just feels a lot different too, you know, but I think one yeah. thing that you said earlier when you said it, um, just leaving things behind, I know for me, I am the same way. Like I really value I value so much the traditions when I was growing up and Mm -hmm. um, for my husband as well. Obviously I wasn't there first, but I really value what they had as well. But I love the fact that we can combine those and be able just to really build really beautiful traditions for our family together. And so, um, although I'm sure from some people's perspective, it could feel very much like, you know, we just abandoned those things. It's actually just incorporating those and figuring out what works for us. And so I think that that would be important to note for people too, to not feel like you have to be bogged down by the traditions of your family if you do live close to them. Because my experience obviously now is much different since I live further. But right, and right. You, you live and quite far. Doing, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, we live very far. My my family um, is mostly in Tennessee. We're very close to my husband's family. They're you know right here. But um, th- so that's been difficult for me. I mean, you look at the Midwest traditions, um, right. the the Scandinavian. Um, background and heritage and the Native American heritage that's up here versus where I'm from, which is very Irish, Welsh, Scottish yeah. background. Um, they're very, very different. Um, we, we did the orange and the, and the stocking too, though. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is really hard. And one of the things that I, I think about a lot is, you know, if you're doing something just because it's tradition, mm-hmm. are you really honoring it? Right. So I, I've had this conversation with my sister many times about many different things. And, um, you know, if, if you're doing something because it's a tradition, but no one enjoys it, why would you still do it? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like that somebody's still making a fruitcake and bringing it to Thanksgiving. Right. Nobody no eats the fruitcake. No one likes fruitcake. <laughs> now, now, if it's a fun thing and like, oh, right. we got the fruitcake and it's a, it's a joke and everybody loves it. and It just wouldn't be Thanksgiving without the fruitcake. Wonderful. Right. Keep doing it. But if somebody's like, well, who's going to make the friggin' fruitcake this year? Right. Nobody's going to eat it. It's just going in the trash. You should probably maybe skip that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> maybe add another tradition if you want, or just keep the ones uh-huh. you have and just get rid uh-huh. of that. You know, that's, what's yep. really nice in life is that we all have choices for sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, there, I think we covered just through different conversations. A lot of the other ones, um, we had people, um, you know, wrote in about, um, family patterns and we've kind of discussed some of that and some other mm-hmm. just, you know, inappropriate conversations. And, um, I think that, you know, what we've talked about already, um, would be really beneficial for people. So I thought it'd be fun if we just have some Christmas talk or holiday talk, we can call it. So I love it. We had um, a meeting earlier and we talked about like our favorite um, toy or our favorite, you know, Christmas thing that we received. And so um, I wonder if you would feel comfortable sharing like your favorite Christmas memory. Oh my gosh. My favorite Christmas memory. Which I know is kind of (laughs) tough. Okay. So I'm going to share this Christmas memory um, because, okay. Not because it's like, oh, my gosh, and my heart was so full and I believed in Santa. Um, it's not like that. Uh-huh. But it's become it's, be, it's now become a joke. OK, <laughs> so as an adult, I have embraced this narrative of my life. Uh-huh. Um, but for eight year old me, it was a really, really big deal. Sure. So the year that I turned eight, uh-huh. 
um, was the year I discovered that Santa's not a big fat guy who comes down my chimney. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. Santa is other, other things. And, um, I also had a baby brother that year that was born uh-huh. and my horse died. Oh. And I did not get go, go my walking pup. Okay. So here it is. My oh. little brother is born in November. Uh-huh. My, okay. Actually that's backwards. My horse died. Uh-huh. In September, and that's when my parents chose to tell me that I was going to have a little brother. And then my brother was born in November. Oh yes, they goodness. waited a long time yeah. to tell me. <laughs> that's not much time to process. Huh? Then, <laughs> no, not a lot of time to process. Literally, it was in within 20 minutes. Like, that's what they thought was going to make me feel better. Um, and then for Christmas Day, the one thing that I had asked for over and over and over again was go, go, my walking pup. Uh-huh. I wanted this toy so bad. Okay. Uh-huh. And I didn't get it. And so I was like, yep, that's it. Uh Santa's not real. All of these things happened. And that right there is proof. Uh Because Santa would never have let my horse die. And Santa never would have given me a little brother. And Santa would have brought me Go-Go, my walking pup. Okay? Uh Now now here I am, 35 years old. (laughs) And it has become the joke because guess what? They started remaking Go Go My Walking Pup. You're kidding. <laughs> so a few years ago when they they started remaking it, it was this big joke in my family of, uh-huh. oh, somebody go buy Emily Go Go the Walking Pup because, you know, her dreams can finally go tr- come true. Uh-huh. So this has become like this huge joke in my family of Go Go My Walking Pup. Uh-huh. Um, and I still give my brother shit. <laughs> ruined christmas <laughs> i you know i do have a lot of very wonderful oh yes christmas memories especially um once i had my children yes there's some really beautiful memories but that one man it just yeah it sounds really negative but gosh it's such a funny oh, story yeah. now um and i just it's my favorite i think <laughs> yeah yeah no i love that and i think that that's what's great about life right is like sometimes really just bummer things happen but later on you find a humor in them you know yeah um, and you can't yeah. do that with everything but with some situations like that it does it kind of just becomes did you ever get one i need to know i feel like you need one i did not oh my gosh even as an adult you <laughs> i'm on a adult. mission you have to have one <laughs> No, because yes, they started remaking it, but it yeah. wasn't the same. I'm sure. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, Emily, you just, cause I almost did. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I I'm... almost bought myself one. Um, but I was like, Emily, you're an adult. You can be an adult and not have ever had go, go my walking <laughs> cup. That took a lot of work for me. I'm not going to lie. No, I, no, I actually, I'm just laughing because you know what? I probably would have went and bought it. And then I would have been like, okay, this is cool. Now I'm going to give it to someone. I definitely would have bought it. I'm oh, not going to lie. You know? Well, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like with things like that and not like, and I'm going to play with it way, you know, I'm not going like, to get on the ground or whatever. But I do think sometimes just being able to like, kind of like cross that off our list. You know how we're talking like bucket lists and yeah. stuff like that, you know, like just being yeah. able to like cross it off. I owned this. Now I can give this to my niece or my nephew or whoever, you that know. That is really beautiful. So, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, I hope you do that. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that's great. I was trying to think if I could determine like a favorite 
favorite memory. And I, the one thing that popped into my mind was that I remember one time we were coming home from Christmas Eve service. I really liked Christmas Eve service. That was like my favorite mm-hmm. um, day in church. And I remember it hadn't snowed in a long time and it just started snowing as soon as we came out. Of course, the roads oh. were really slick, but whatevs. Um, Cause it was really snowing. And Magical. I just remember thinking like how beautiful, like it was just so mm-hmm. beautiful. Cause it was a really dark night, you know? So I just mm-hmm. really remember that. And I, <laughs> our, this is funny, but our church always gave an apple an orange. Cool. And I'd have to ask my friend Emily, but I think a bag of um, M&Ms in this like, you know, little brown lunch sack. And I literally remember sitting there with it on my lap. And I was like holding it, looking at the snow. It sounds so cheesy now. I'm like, but... picturing this in my head. No, that doesn't sound cheesy to me at all. It's like this stuff Hallmark movies are made of. <laughs> I should totally write a story around. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna submit it yes. to Hallmark. It'd be but like, it was. It'd be like the Christmas orange or something. <laughs> the Christmas orange. You know what? I better trademark that because someone is gonna steal you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. Yep. <laughs> Just kidding. But is there anything else fun Christmas-wise? Is there, you know, any, uh, let's see, we talked about toys. Are there any songs or anything just really, oh, favorite Christmas CD. Do you have one? I do. Okay, which, I'm Um, really curious. Actually, I have two. Okay. Um, Number one is Gene Autry. Okay, do you know who Gene Autry is? I do not. I I probably should, it sounds like. So Gene Autry was the singing cowboy. Okay. <laughs> he um he was around same time as Roy Rogers. Uh-huh. Um and I don't know if he was as big as Roy Rogers, but he was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um I even have the briar horse of his horse. Oh wow. So he was pretty big. Yeah. yeah. But he was called the Singing Cowboy and he had a Christmas album. And that for me, whenever my mom started playing that, um I might get a little teary. Um oh. Whenever my mom started playing that, yeah. it was just like, I love his version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, and it's just, it it's so nostalgic. I mean, it hits you, like, Aww. well, not you, but me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it no, hits me right in the feels. Yeah. Right in the feels. Like, oh, I can't, I just, and it's not even good. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you it's <laughs> don't get my expectations up no but you know there are things like that right that like because that is what you knew yeah as christmas now it's yes. you know christmas and i i was listening to um a radio well first i want to know your other your other option then i'll tell you that story but okay okay so my other one is very similar and it is the alabama christmas cd ah. because there is one song on there called thistle hair the christmas bear Oh my gosh. And it is so bad, but it was so funny because there's a section of the song at the end where there's a bunch of kids singing, uh-huh. and my sister and I make fun of it to this day. Like, oh my goodness! But I will listen to that song over and over again. Oh, um, there, there's nothing you can do to take that song away from me. It's so bad. But um, at the end, the kids sing really loud and then they sing really soft, uh-huh. so they go. <laughs> And so and that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but yep. my sister and I make fun of that all the time. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, well, I was actually surprised just real quick that uh, you didn't say Mariah Carey Christmas because a lot of people say that. No, no really? You know, um, there used to be this one, I remember, I think I was like a teenager, I think, and we were, I don't know, at some store and there was a Country Cares for Kids and it was um, all the money went to St. Jude's. 
for like this mm-hmm. Christmas CD and I was like mom because I used to well I still love St. Jude's but I used to be like oh can we donate all the time <laughs> my mom's yeah. probably like oh a little extreme but um so I loved St. Jude's and so I wanted to get it and <laughs> seriously I remember that we ended up listening to it like right away both my mom and I were like this is the best Christmas CD ever <laughs> and I think it was like six bucks or something but it was the best and I literally still have it it's probably 15 years old I'm not even kidding no it's probably older than that actually now yeah, that's really sad, actually. Oh, it's really old. What was on it? Oh, my gosh. It's just, like, all these, you know, like, Christmas songs. It's nothing, like, really um, that, like, that impressive necessarily. It's just a lot of different, like, Christian, or not Christian, excuse me, country artists. But one of yeah. the songs at the beginning was Make a Miracle, and it was about, um, like, basically, like, getting a cure, is essentially, is what it was about. Aww. Like, And so that was just really touching. Um, and one of the last ones was the Angels Among Us song. I don't know if you ever heard that. So that was a really, that's yeah. a really sweet song. And it was just really beautiful. Um, oh, that's Alabama. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> there we go. For, full circle there. Um, full circle. <laughs> but one thing I do want to mention that I heard on a radio station that I really liked is that they were talking about how a lot of times at, um, Christmas kind of feels like home if that makes sense. And so I think even, uh, um, not always, but sometimes even if you've had kind of a dysfunctional growing up, you know, like maybe a little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like unstable um, situation. A lot of times that still reminds you of that. And I wonder if that is part of the reason that the holidays are so challenging. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think you look at people who are in their, their early to mid Mm twenties. I know for me, that was personally, um, and, and then from clients that I've seen subsequently, that's a really hard time. Mm-hmm. So you're coming through and, and even I'm even having this conversation with my almost 14 year old right now of life is changing. Mm-hmm. And Christmas is such a fundamental part of our childhoods, no matter what that looks like. Right. right. There's so much societal expectation placed on that. So no matter what your experience was with Christmas, mm-hmm. you have very very deep rooted mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings about it. And so as you get bigger, those things change. You go to college, yep. you go overseas. Yep. Uh, I will never forget the first Christmas that I didn't spend with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was hard. Yep. It's, it's really hard. And so then when you finally do come back home, it's, it's almost like you've been away yeah. And you could, you could live, you know, five miles away from your family. Yeah. But when you come home for Christmas, it's like, I'm home. Yeah. Such a valid point. That's absolutely such a valid point. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no, I love that though. I really do. I love that a lot. Um, I think that that is really very true. And I hadn't necessarily thought about it um, until that. And regardless, even if it's not Christmas, whatever holiday you may be celebrating, whether it's Hanukkah or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, I I would imagine it would still have that same feeling of that is just so deeply rooted in your family. And so it just Mm -hmm. feels like being home. So that is beautiful. I think on that note, we should wrap it up because that's just a great, great thing to end on, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. Is there anything else that you want to 
share or I mean, we talked the episode um, previous will have like your contact information, how to get a hold of you yep. on there um, in case anybody does want to know um, about counseling. Is that fine if I share? I hope that's fine if I share that. Abound counseling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, uh, through um, Lutheran Social Services in Fargo, North Dakota. So you can look up that information, um, but we will also make sure that that is linked for people to easily find you. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming You're back welcome. and talking Thanks with us about me. this. Yes. Take Hi. care. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode. Thank you.